Welcome back to another video here on Financial Friends. Today, we are going to be talking Disney, Target, Walmart, Michael Burry, and a few other stories. So make sure you stick around to the end for those additional stories. This is a weekly podcast series I do here on the channel discussing everything that I found relevant, interesting, applicable this week in finance. So make sure to go ahead and hit the like button down below. These videos do take a good chunk of time to put together. Also hit subscribe. That way you can be notified uh, for every single other video that comes out here on this channel. We're almost getting to 1,000 friends here on the channel. So thank you so much for your support and comment at any point your thoughts on any of these stories down below. I'll make sure to get back to each and every single one of you. Without further ado, Disney. So Disney has had Dan Loeb make a good, <laughs> good, pretty good stake here in the company worth potentially $1 billion. The activist investor is making some pushes for some changes. Um, he wants Disney to spin off ESPN and he also wants them to quickly and urgently acquire Hulu. So what does this mean? Why, why is he making these pushes? Well, he believes that ESPN would have greater flexibility to pursue initiatives that may be more difficult with its current relationship with Disney, um, that being sports betting. Disney, a more family-friendly environment, sports betting, not. Um, he does think that ESPN produces a bunch of cash flow for Disney, so he thinks that they could spin the business off. It would be okay on its own. They could pursue sports betting, very similar to the way that eBay spun off PayPal and PayPal has flourished into its own business. He also thinks that everything right now that Disney is gaining in terms of value from ESPN could be done contractually meaning different contracts and rights and things like that could be signed from ESPN to Disney and that Disney could still get all the benefit from ESPN. I'm not personally a fan of this. I think ESPN adds a ton of value to the Disney brand, to the Disney streaming lineup, um, to Disney as a whole, getting more eyeballs on the company. But nonetheless, he thinks this would be a good idea. I'll tell you what Disney had in reply to that here in a second. Um, he also believes that they should acquire the remaining stake in Hulu. Essentially, Comcast has a 33% stake in Hulu currently and is contractually obligated to sell it in 2024 to Disney. Now, he believes Disney should and could potentially even pay a little bit of a premium on that stake, acquire it right now, roll it into Disney+, Plus, integrate the two, and would probably benefit more because of it. Again, I'm not so sure. I think the bundle and the potential addition of ad-supported tiers and higher pricing could continue to drive profitability for the company. And so paying a premium would negate that, at least for now, and rolling the two together might confuse people who are currently subscribed. So I'd be interested to see, like with a crystal ball, how the two roles would play out. If acquiring Hulu right now is good and rolling it into Disney will be profitable for the business or for Disney, or if keeping the three streaming services separate is more beneficial. Either way, Disney pretty much put their foot in the ground or in the sand and said, look, we welcome the views of everyone, but as our third quarter results demonstrate, the Walt Disney Company continues to deliver strong financial results powered by world-class storytelling and our unique and highly valuable content creation and distribution ecosystem. Essentially, thanks, but no thanks. Moving forward, Target company we all know and love and shop at, um, well, people did a lot of shopping there. 
and they didn't make a lot of money because of it. Earnings came in much, much poorer than expected, although we expected earnings to come in poor. And so for that reason, shares of Target fell about 3%. They did slowly begin to recover. Um, earnings per share, 39 cents versus 72 cents expected. Bad revenue, pretty much on Target. Well, at least in this case, this rounded up number or rounded down number, however it was, um, perfectly on target met expectations. So the company in this most recent quarter took drastic and aggressive inventory efforts. The CFO defended those efforts saying, look, we basically understood this was going to hit our profitability. We don't care. It's no longer going to affect us. And that's the big thing here. If it does no longer affect target, if target does not feel the implications of their massive inventory in the future, this was the right decision. If they do feel the pressure of that in the future, this was not the right decision. A crystal ball would be fantastic, but we don't get that. They felt this is exactly what was best. Now, inventory still went up um, $15.32 billion to be exact, up from the 15.08 at the end of Q1. However, um, inflation and holiday season coming up are two reasons why the CFO says, look, we get it, we understand it's higher, but everything's more expensive and we are prepping already for the holidays. The CEO also said that while inventory is higher, it's a much more favorable mix. We did cancel more than $1.5 billion in orders and we've got things under control. Now, looking at the actual numbers, revenue is up. That's good, of course, partly due to inflation, Um, but the earnings number is just shocking to look at. $1.82 billion dollars from a year earlier down to 183 million this quarter absolutely crazy um nonetheless as i mentioned if the problem is fixed we're chugging along in the future if it's not probably wish they would have took a more walmart approach to things now here's walmart walmart the opposite of target um a beat on both lines $152.86 billion in revenue and $1.77 in earnings per share. Both beat expectations. You can see those here on the screen. Now, I do not believe that Walmart wholeheartedly solved its problem. And actually, if we scroll down here to this article, selling through excess, excess inventory, pardon, it recognizes that Walmart and Target both tried to get rid of some inventory. However, Walmart's inventory levels in the U.S. are up 25.6% in this second quarter compared to a year ago, still citing inflation with consumers and um, higher levels of merchandise and all this. Rainey told CNBC 40% of the $11 billion of higher inventory reflects higher cost of goods, but about $1.5 billion of that we would like to get rid of. Um, He uses the quote, wave a magic wand to make it disappear. Now, they also did cancel billions of dollars in inventory, just like Target did, um, but they're still sitting at about 15% more inventory growth than what they wanted. So, what this says is Target solved their problem, Walmart did not. The CEO, I I believe it was the CEO or CFO, um, said, we hope to have everything back in line post-Halloween. What this means for investors is the effects of this inventory Yes, they did affect this quarter. Um, Walmart warned 
in terms of earnings that it might not be quite as good, but they didn't deal with it at least as best as possible because they beat on expectations. Now, that doesn't say that they didn't deal with it, but they probably didn't deal with it as good as they could. I mean, they literally said 15% too much growth. We would like to wave a magic wand and get rid of this stuff. And we're not expecting to be done with this till Halloween. All of which tell me they didn't quite fix the problem yet. Now, Walmart did, on the other hand of this, add it to their Walmart Plus subscription. Now, Walmart Plus, for those of you who don't know, is basically um, Amazon Prime, just not quite as big yet. The company has not been releasing subscriber numbers, so we don't actually know how many people subscribe to this. Now, I personally saw online when Googling, the potential estimate could be around 32 million. There are also low-end estimates of 11 million and then a mid-range of 16 million. So who knows? 11, between 11 and 32 million is a vast difference. And so we actually don't know how many subscribers they have. Now, in terms of the Paramount Plus deal, what happened? Paramount Plus has an ad-supported tier for $5 a month. Walmart Plus subscribers now have that access to the ad-supported Paramount Plus tier. This is good for those of you that are Walmart Plus owners or do subscribe to Walmart Plus. The Walmart Plus program is $98 per year, and as it says here, you get free shipping of online purchases, free grocery deliveries for orders of at least $35, and a discount or discounts on prescriptions and gas. That's a value that people will definitely be looking to get as Walmart Plus subscribers and as shoppers of Walmart. For $100 a year, if you can get over $100 in value, depending on the way in which you shop, whether that's you know online orders or a lot of deliveries, all the more power to you. That is fantastic. Um, Amazon Prime is still delivering, I personally believe at least, a much better bang for your buck at this current point, but clearly Walmart is making a push to add more value adding Paramount Plus. This is a good deal for Paramount Plus. If they can get any people to swap out of that ad-supported tier, that's really, really good for them, an extra $5 in revenue there. However, I'm curious to see the details. I read through this, um, and maybe I missed something, but I'm not quite sure how the actual deal works. Is Walmart Plus collecting the $98 from people who are subscribing and then passing on a portion of the $5 or all of the $5 Uh, to subscribe to Paramount Plus to the company, or is Paramount Plus taking a hit and just granting free access to the platform? I don't know. Kind of either way, this is good for Paramount Plus because the more eyeballs they get, the more they can charge for ads. So they can make up that lost earnings or that lost revenue um, per person who is now getting free access, if that's the case. I'm very curious to see what the actual details are here. And if I find out, I will tweet it. I will make a TikTok about it. I will make a YouTube video about it or something. You'll hear about it from me. So make sure to add me on all of these different social platforms back behind me. Links are in the description, by the way. All right, Michael Burry. Um, I wrote here in my notes the word um, and I put like six M's because I'm very concerned about what this is. Um, the hedge fund that Michael Burry operates got rid of Apple, or I'm sorry, Alphabet positions and Meta Platform positions and literally just bought 501,000 shares of GeoGroup. Now, for those who don't know, GeoGroup owns or operates uh, prisons and mental asylums. So, yeah. 
I'm going to leave it at that. All right, American Airlines, um, they agreed to buy 20 supersonic planes from company Boom Supersonic. Crazy, by the way. Um, these planes can fly 1,304 miles per hour and can get you places where it would normally take 10 hours in six. Wild. This is good news for the company. They now have a 15 order firm placement from United. When I say firm, I mean like it's going to happen. Like the company ordered 15 planes with the option of 35 additionals. I can see here 20 planes from American Airlines that is firm with the option of 40 additionals and then the option for Japan Airlines to purchase 20 of these planes as well. It was noted in this video here that if everything goes as planned, we could see these planes flying in the air in 2030. Imagine this plane buzzing over your house. I live, um, as you'll find out here in a couple minutes, roughly in the Detroit area. And so we, I see a lot of planes flying above my house from DTW. Wild. If this thing takes off and zooms over my house, I, I mean, I'm assuming it has to be loud. Normal planes are already loud. This would be just bonkers. Um, I would love to fly in one of these. I think it would be sweet. The company is really leaning into this emissions push. If we can get places faster, we don't quite have to spend as much time in the air polluting the air. I think that's a good thing. It's a win-win really for everybody. Um, could be a win-win-win if this company, which I'm not sure is public currently, it's not listed here, um, and I haven't done too much in-depth research on the business, but could be a win-win-win for investors, consumers, and the environment. Uh, President Joe Biden did sign the Inflation Reduction Act into law. This will not lower inflation um, if you're unaware. All right, strong statement. Okay, okay. Essentially, I'm going to give you my quick and concise views on this. It's a 15% minimum corporate tax rate for companies making over a billion dollars. That will potentially increase slightly the price of the products that you're, that you're paying for um, because the business is going to want to keep the same profit margin. That is inflationary by nature. Um, additionally, there will be a tax on stock buybacks, which could potentially hurt future stock buybacks and shareholders, um, which if this depletes values of stocks, makes people feel like they don't have quite as much money, could be deflationary, but there's also um, arguments that the company could raise additional prices to make up for this on the tax side, so that could be inflation. I'm not quite sure. That is the stock market portion of this. There are a bunch of other environmental things and, and other things passed within this bill. I didn't do quite a lot of research. I just know that spending money is by nature inflationary. Um, they do go over this in from a high level, I would say, um, here on Everything Money, and I tend to agree with everything that they think here. So if you want a bit of an overview on the bill, or now law, and if you want a bit of what I think on it, watch this video. It does a very good job explaining things. I tend to agree with a lot of what he says, so go ahead and watch this video from Everything Money. The link will be down below in the description. Now, I mentioned that you'll find out I'm from Detroit. These vehicles, the Challenger and Charger, are all over Detroit, and they will be discontinued. It's kind of sad. I, I'm not a car person. Um, I'm not super into cars. I have not driven either of these vehicles. I've been in one of them, um, but nonetheless, they will be discontinued next year and will potentially be translated to electric vehicle versions. I believe I saw a teaser for one of these um, on TikTok. Either way, this is a sad loss for Detroit. Uh, 
these things are all over the place, as I've already said a couple of times. Um, people really love these vehicles. It's kind of the heart and soul of Detroit is cars. Um, and so seeing these go is a little bit sad, but there's a ton of other bright things on the horizon for the city of Detroit with electric vehicles um, and things of that nature. Now, I will say the main reason that they're getting rid of these is because of electric vehicles. It mentioned here that they're transitioning from electric vehicles, um, but there's been a lot of problems with these cars in specific in regard to fuel economy and emissions. Companies that don't produce electric vehicles don't get those electric vehicle credits and then have to purchase them from other companies like Tesla that make strictly EV vehicles or EVs. And so for that reason, this company, Stellantis, is probably sitting there thinking, what are we going to do? Like, we can't just keep purchasing these things. We're going to have to stop producing some of the emissions cars and potentially replace those with electric vehicles. It seems to be the reason why things are happening the way they are. Last thing here, um, the Big Ten struck a $7.5 billion deal for TV rights. That is crazy because some of the numbers in here for previous rights are not near that number at all. Now, the Big Ten is growing. I believe they will have 16 teams moving forward. Um, yes, they got Southern Carolina or USC and UCLA as members just recently. I remember seeing that all over ESPN. Um, and speaking of ESPN, I wish they would have gotten in on this deal. Fox, CBS, and NBC will represent a more NFL-style approach, Wall Street Journal writes, to spread its content among multiple platforms. Again, we see the NFL on a bunch of different channels on a bunch of different nights. That's by design. Big Ten is looking to do that, though. They're also being uh, more streaming-friendly here diversifying the different platforms they can be on. Um, not spending too much time on this because I haven't dove into all the details or heard other people speak about it or gathered really my own thoughts on it. But as I mentioned, I do wish, wish ESPN would have gotten in on this. Bob Chapek, the CEO of Walt Disney, said, look, we're not getting into any deals that don't benefit shareholders. And for that reason, I'm out. Um, and so clearly that was part of the reason he did not get in on this deal. This is a lot of money. I don't know how it will work for Fox, Paramount, and Comcast, who are the owners of Fox, CBS, and NBC, respectively. And so that will be very interesting to see how that works, the type of value it adds to these businesses, how the cost structure is all really broken down. There are more details. I don't want to spend too much time, as I mentioned, going over this. I do want to wrap this episode up, um, but you can read kind of some of the streaming details down here in this article if you are a subscriber of the wall street journal so that has been it for this episode thank you very much for tuning in i hope you did enjoy i hope you learned something if you did comment down below let me know your thoughts on these topics and i will see you all in the next one don't forget to subscribe take care